From an outside perspective, restaurants are the perfect getaway. Great food, inviting atmosphere, comforting environment. It's an all-around fantastic time for friends and family alike. Though it can be beautiful and enriching from the inside perspective, as a guest, one doesn't see the hardships and stressors of creating a wonderful experience. Every restaurateur goes through struggles and challenges that could make or break them. This podcast aims to explore that, pulling back the curtain and understanding what it's truly like to run these establishments as told by those who do it. I'm Justin Warner, and you're listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. Who are you and what are you doing here? My name is Marco Lucarino, and I'm the general manager of the Paddle Wheeler Pub in New Westminster, BC. I was invited to come chat with you, Justin, and I've uh, been admittedly quite excited for this conversation all week. Oh, wow. I'm honored. So tell me about the Paddle Wheeler Pub. Yeah, so we are the Paddle Wheeler Pub. We are a neighborhood bar within town here. I personally have a lot of strong roots with this place. I've been working here for this is my ninth year as of this month, and my mom was the former general manager for about 17 years. Because she was, I've been coming here since I was a little kid and hanging around in the office, playing video games and stuff like that. And what we do is we try to bring the neighborhood together and serve them good food and cold drinks. That sounds delicious. I love it. Yes. So it, it sounds like you kind of like evolved into the position that you are in now. What position are you currently inhabiting in the Paddle Wheeler Pub? I'm currently overseeing the entire operation. Started when I was 14 as a dishwasher and worked my way up the ladder. I was 18 when I took over as the head chef, about three months after graduating high school, which was a gruesome transition personally, but one that I was willing to take on when help was needed. Wait a minute. So l- let's come back to that. You said that very <laughs> casually. You were the head chef of a bar at the age of 18. You couldn't, in America at least, you couldn't even drink. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I legally wasn't actually allowed in the dining room technically as alcohol was being served then. But essentially what happened is a lot of management had left the operation when I was anywhere from 17 to 18. We went through like four head chefs. My mom was struggling a lot, quite frankly. She didn't have a bar manager. She didn't have a chef at the time. And she had no one overseeing the front of house to help alleviate the stress for her. And when she was struggling, it was, it was kind of my best intention and idea to hop into the ring and start to fight. Slowly from there, we, we converted the menu from frozen bag-in-the-box products to from-scratch items. And that was a hard transition as people were used to something around here. And that something was kind of under quality food, in my opinion. So making that transition, we had a lot of people uh, upset with me for sure. But we just kept putting our head down and, and kept grinding at everyone and helping them understand that fresh food is always the way to go. There shouldn't be any restaurant serving anything from a microwave or a frozen to deep fryer cooking process. That's, that's not cooking. And I certainly wouldn't pay for that. So that wasn't something I was proud to serve. So we slowly transitioned the menu from that kind of traditional dive bar kind of food menu. We've gone into an unpretentious pub menu now. We're really satisfied with where we've come over the past few years. We now have over 25 local partners that we support around the area and New West here. And We now get our buns from 100 feet away. Our proteins are coming from the butcher shop up the road. And 
numerous amount of other items that we're now locally sourcing. So where does one, you know, I don't think when you graduate high school, you say to yourself, or I don't think when the average kid graduates high school, they say to themselves, you know what, I'm going to become a head chef and I'm going to transition this menu to a locally sourced from scratch kitchen. Where did that come from? (laughs) Yeah. So in high school and growing up, I was always a really big sports guy. In high school, I was on the football team. I was on the hockey team, the basketball team. I think I was, I was on the swim team and I was trying to start a golf team more or less just to go golfing with my gym teachers and have some fun on the runway. But I was very much used to that brigade style atmosphere and, and having that interaction with others where people relied on me and I relied on them to do their job. And together we formulated some sort of success together and growing up in the kitchen and in, in the pub here a little bit, it was very easy for me to make that transition because I was just used to it. I was used to kind of being relied on and helping others out when I could. I had probably dreams of playing college football and going into that direction. But like I said, when, when I saw my mom struggling a little bit with management and just trying to keep this place afloat, it was, it was in my best intention from a family perspective to make, that, to make that leap. Like I said, we went through about three or four head chefs in probably a 12-month span. None of them could really do it. And Honestly, Justin, I really could not do it, but I was willing to try. And I, went, I didn't really know the difference between a top sirloin steak and a New York strip, but I was willing to learn. And I had what I thought at least the right attitude to, to take on the challenge. So your, your mother was there for 17 years. You've spent most of your adult life there, but neither of you own this place. Correct. We've both been offered and currently... Being my first year as general manager, there is some talks about getting a slice of the pie, which I am somewhat interested in. But no, we've never owned it. Honestly, and I'm sure you can relate, owning a restaurant is extremely difficult and stressful. It's a large mental undertaking, undoubtedly, physical as well, of course. I'm not really sure why my mom never jumped in, to be honest with you. But it is my goal to own a restaurant one day. And at this point, this stuff runs through my veins and through my blood. And I'm, I love every second of it. So you're only 23 years old. Correct. Wow. So you, you talk about the industry as though you are, you know, 46 years old. <laughs> Has being young ever been a problem? Yeah. Like I said, when I was 18 and, and turning of that age and, and taking on this new role as, as the leader of the kitchen, I had to grow up really quick. You know, there wasn't any time to go out partying all the time. And, you know, a lot of friends were going out every single night, going to the clubs and doing this and doing that. And, you know, I'm working dinner service and I'm grinding it out with my crew. I've always been a little bit of an older soul, if you will. And unfortunately, fortunately, this place has given me probably 20 years worth of experience uh, in the short time I've been here. So where did you pick up cooking. Most 18-year-olds don't know how to make anything other than instant noodles. Where did this come from? I mean, you didn't go to culinary school, I take it? No. Do I wish I went? Maybe. I don't think the chef role is my lifelong aspirations per se. So if I was going to do that, then I would definitely go back to culinary school now, especially with my experience. Basically, honestly, what happened is, you know, A, first and foremost, a pub menu is not exactly sophisticated or anything like that. So it was an easy transition to 
create sandwiches and different burgers and some smaller like mac and cheese and stuff like that. Due to the fact that it wasn't creating anything spectacularly complicated, and especially we're really large occupancy pubs. So a lot of our menu items are designed for speed and efficiency. But honestly, like, you know, I didn't know what a prep list was. I didn't know what an order guide was. And, you know, if you asked me to do inventory for a year and a half, like my mom did, I probably couldn't tell you that I did. But every night I would kind of recap my own summary of the of the service and it was really tough to be honest with you initially because I had a crew that was of older age and they didn't respect me and maybe not rightfully so earned yet. But I would go home and I'd start to go on YouTube and I'd start to study, you know, what is a prep list? Why do we use that? And how do I build it? And I continuously did that for over the past four years. And that was ultimately where I learned pretty much everything I know. I, I never had a, a chef mentor who, who, were, who was able to teach me anything. I, I grabbed some textbooks that the culinary students were using as well. And I was going through that and reading about it and just really doing my own research on everything. I, I'd like to say I kind of have like a YouTube diploma because I've probably watched over a thousand hours of like how to make a prep list. Like it's crazy. Wow. Intense. What have been some challenges aside from you know, the age thing and having to teach yourself. I mean, cooking is one thing, but the finances are something entirely else. Was that challenging at all to, to figure out that sort of nebulous restaurant math? Yeah. I mean, you know, when I was 18, I couldn't tell you what a food cost was. That's for sure. That was another thing that I had to research all on YouTube, all by myself, you know, how to, how to run labor, how to manage your food expenses and purchases you know, really and truly everything. Cause as a general manager, you're overseeing the entire operation, everything I learned, you know, I had to do on myself. And, and that was definitely a large challenge. And being a young man, it is continuously lessons humbling me and in, in my journey, because, you know, things like calculating your theoreticals on the food costing, for example, you know, like I've learned lessons. If you don't do that, then things are going to get out of hand very quickly. And I think the hardest thing for me is not knowing what to do to begin with. So I can do as much research as I can and, and I can talk to certain people who I trust within the industry, but ultimately I really just have to try things, see how it fails or succeeds, hopefully. But ultimately, you know, everything I've learned in my life in this place at least has been through failure and coming back up, picking myself up, saying, you know what, there might be a thousand ways to do it, but that's not one of them. So we're going to have to try and think of something else. Wow. So when I was 23, I was working in restaurants and I still am. And I don't think that I knew that this was the career path for me when I was 23. I don't think that I knew 100% that I had restaurant in my veins. How did you know? In high school, with the amount of sports I was doing, and then on top of that, I had a girlfriend and on top of that, I had homework. And then on top of that, I was working three, four times at a week at the restaurant, right? I've always lived an incredibly busy life. And I'm very much a person who gets antsy when I can't do something or I have to sit at home and take a day off. Like that's honestly really difficult for me. And making the transition and understanding how much effort a restaurant takes to, to run and operate, it was almost in a sense easy for me. And because of my sports experience, it was just so natural for me to come into this journey of, of coming to the restaurant industry. And the summer after COVID, when we all got reopened after the six months or whatnot, 
I was put in a position where we were short staffed. You know, I mean, maybe every restaurant, I should say, but we were particularly extra low staff that year. And from the start of June till about September, I took about four days off the entire summer, basically. And every day I was in the kitchen 10 to 14 hours a day. I look back at that and, and I understand the mental health penalty that had on me. But I also understand the gain I had from that, which was I really discovered the kind of beast I am, I guess, and the amount of workload I'm able to put myself under. And it motivated me further to continue doing this because I didn't want to let anyone on my team down, you know, like if I can be here and I can help them, I wanted to be here and, and I was. I love that factor. I love that team atmosphere. I was always like a team captain in most of my sports teams. So that leadership ability was always kind of there to begin with. I just love what I do. I love it. I, I used to come home every day and, and I'd have those really tough services and, you know, there things would go wrong and I didn't really understand why, but I would just get to work. You know, I'd be coming home at 1230 at night and I'd come and have a drink on the patio or something like that, break open my iPad and figure out how I fix it. And I think that sort of dynamic where things are constantly changing, you're in a place where you have to constantly pivot and adapt. I love that challenge. And the ability for me to stay still is not something I thrive well with. So having a job that allows me to have something new and dynamic every single day is, is really for me. I 100% get what you say here. Like I refer to my team as my squad and they actually literally called me team captain the other day. I said, you know, uh, we had a, a, a staffing issue and I was like, well, you know, I would hope that nobody here sees me as a boss. Rather, the guy who set up this operation so that we could all succeed. And if I make some money at the end of the day, that would be great too. But in reality, I'm just conducting this orchestra and, you know, supplying you all with the instruments to do what you do best. And I think that that sort of team captain role is, for better or worse, not often the mentality that a lot of people in power have. So, how do you juggle that? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been in my position for about 10 months now. And previous to me being the general manager, obviously I was a chef. And, you know, one thing that was a really big struggle to me was the fact that there wasn't a ton of operations and systems in place with this place. And what that led to was a little bit of chaos sometimes. And, you know, that's sometimes good. But, you know, I'd be going home and I'd be watching Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. And then I go to work and live my own kitchen nightmare the following day. Understanding that sort of stuff and where I've come from and how far this business has come from that place, you know, I'm here a lot and that does play a, a difficult challenge in, in having a work life balance. I don't know many restauranteurs, chefs, or general managers who have a great work life balance. And if you know of one, please give me their phone number so I can ask them a bunch of questions. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, my transition was starting from converting the food to fresh. From there, it was how do we how do we fine tune the operations? And now it's beautiful because we're focusing on the hospitality part of this restaurant operation. You know, how do we make sure that the customer is having a great time? Because ultimately, every restaurant or pub or some sort of food business, we don't necessarily sell food. We don't necessarily sell drinks. We sell an experience to the customer. Knowing that we're providing an excellent customer experience definitely helps my brain calm down a little bit and. Executing on our goals and our tasks 
really helps me feel better about myself and my life. So I would say that when things are struggling at the restaurant, it's a little bit difficult for me to balance that. But generally, I just pull up my pants and get to work, you know, spend a nice solid week of hard training or, you know, just making sure I'm crossing my T's and dotting my I's. And, and that really helps me balance things. Just knowing that my brain can rest, knowing that the operations sound. What is your biggest pet peeve? Because it sounds like, you know, you're a kind fellow, but it also sounds you. like you understand demand. You understand a sense of urgency. You understand commitment. But I want to know, like, when you don't see that in others, how do you feel? Like, how do you react? And, and then is there another pet peeve on top of that? Because for me, I hate when my time is wasted. I, I hate it more than anything. Tardiness, lateness. Like, there is only one thing that I ask people to truly respect, and that is the clock. What drives you batty? Uh, what drives me batty is people unwilling to commit themselves to the mutual goal that we've all set. You know, the one thing that I've really committed myself to since starting as a general manager has been to increase the customer experience in a positive manner. So my big pet peeve is when people aren't committed to the goal and the task ahead of us. Wow, fair enough. So you mentioned goals. What are your goals going forward? Personally, my goal is to get into my own venture one day. Whether it be the paddle wheeler, whether it be a different business of some sort, I've recently become addicted to espresso and all things coffee. I honestly didn't start drinking coffee till last year, and I have no idea how I survived life without it, quite frankly. And I've found this brand new passion and love for it. And, you know, I think a cafe might be in my future one day. On a business level, though, COVID hit us hard, and we need to come back to our pre COVID numbers better operations and with more education behind us. Those are my goals. It's really coming back to the foundations of the restaurant industry, coming back to our foundational systems. And then from there, building up the experience, building up the opportunity to please our guests and, and give them something worth their money. It sounds like the Paddle Wheeler Pub is not an average pub because when I think of the word pub, I think of the word public. And when I think of the public, I think of lowest common denominator, normalcy, basic, etc. And it, you said that you transitioned into this non-pretentious, but you know, from scratch menu. Has that been well received or were people like, this place is too fancy for me now? Initially, I had learned a, a good lesson, which was, you know, I wanted to do like Coca Vin on, on Valentine's Day. And I wanted to do all these special dishes all the time. And I ran a menu at one point that had all from scratch pastas. And, you know, there was a modern Italian place maybe five minutes down the road that was serving carbonaris for $28. And I'm doing the same thing for $12 just because of the clientele and the kind of concept we are, right? Initially, when I tried those things, they were not well received. Not at all, quite frankly. It was an opportunity for me to understand what is the difference between a concept and an idea. And unfortunately, initially, it was just an idea for me. I wanted this idea of a higher end place, something that we could charge a little bit more, use finer quality ingredients. But what I realized is quickly is, yeah, you're right. We're just a pub, you know? So when we made the switch to go to a little bit more of a simpler menu, but still using those high quality ingredients, it was really well received. 
initially we just kind of kept doing small changes here or there at the time i was really unable to do a brand new menu you know a lot of chefs come in they they build a whole new everything and i just didn't have that capability so one week we'd take on the chicken strips and we'd develop a brand new chicken strip recipe and then the following week we do calamari so we're keeping a lot of these really good staple pub foods but we're just trying to do it our way and we're trying to do it as fresh and as high quality as possible within means. Of course, I can't charge $28 for a pound of wings by any means, you know, nor could Gordon Ramsay, I suppose, but I wanted to make sure that we did have quality food and something that the patron was willing to spend their money on. One thing I try and tell the staff here is like, if you're not comfortable serving something, then you might as well go take that customer's $20 bill and just go throw it into the river as we're a Riverside pub. You know, like you might as well, because if you're just going to do nothing for them, then, then don't do it at all. Moving into that transition of that fresh menu, we brought in a local photographer and we got some really high quality photos done. I slowly integrated myself into the local food forums here in New West. And that was honestly really, really well received. And one of our biggest accomplishments over the past few years. We've really redeveloped the, the reputation for what we were and to what we've become. And it's been really well received. Wow. Amazing. It seems like you've had a lot of success at the Paddle Wheeler Pub. What advice would you give to, you know, 15-year-old you who wants to be a rock star chef someday? What would you say to young entrepreneurs, restaurateurs, whatever you want to call them? What advice would you personally give to them? Knowing what I know from my experience, I think the biggest piece of advice is know what you're getting into. This is an industry that is absolutely relentless for taking people out and not treating them well all the time. When I was 18, coming into the kitchen and you know, even into my 1920s, there's a lot of days where I would come into work and you know, on the way to work, I'd, I'd be crying because I'd just be so upset that I'd have to go to work and deal with everything and all the stress that was abundancing inside of me. And that was an extremely tough time for me, but it was also an extremely strength building opportunity for myself as well. Knowing that there's no one else going to do the job but you. You are the only one that people can count on and that's going to get the job done. And that's, that's a really large stress. So my biggest advice is know what you're getting into. And if you're willing to get into it still, even after I've said all that, be ready to commit yourself. And if you're not ready to commit yourself 110%, it's not worth your time and it's not worth other people's time. Thank you for listening to Resto Talk, a podcast brought to you by Touch Bistro. I'm Justin Warner. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll catch you on the next one. The Paddle Whaler Pub is located at 810 Wayside Drive in New Westminster, BC. For more information, visit their website at paddlewheelerpub.net.